When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the Mid-Alt that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hello, everybody. Uh, now, I apologise in advance because I'm about to say a rude word. Pension. <laughs> maybe you're super organised, or maybe, like me and Annabelle, you're immobilised by chronic pension panic. Oh, and here's another rude word. Paperwork. I mean, can you bear to rifle through the drawer of dread and dig out all those old documents that you never even read at the time? Which leads us to denial. If I don't think about it, then I don't have to deal with it. But the panic is still there, growing with each passing year. Which is why we are delighted that this podcast is brought to you by Pension B, a leading online pension provider that enables savers to be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions into one new online plan. Now for a nice word, simplicity. With Pension B, it's all streamlined, so you don't have to crawl through 500 complicated options. Download the app or head to pensionb.com for more information. That's pensionb.com. Pension planning without the pain. Capital may be at risk. Hello, everybody. I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but... A few days ago, I finally gave in and I bought my first pair of Birkenstocks. Now, well, you say that. (laughs) I could never wear DMs because they always made me look violent. (laughs) And Birkenstocks are no different. I mean, there's a slightly different flavour, but me and my Birkenstocks, you've never seen anyone that looks more like a troll that lives under a bridge. It's not, it's not good, like proper swamp creature. And um, I kept them because I just want something to shove my feet into when I'm running out the door in the morning that, you know, my Uggs are completely trashed and Uggs are a bit more expensive than Birkenstocks and it's nearly summer. But um, I'm two inches shorter than you and my feet are a size bigger. So they're probably (laughs) large and hobbit-like. So I look like an L and I feel like I should just grow my big toe hairs to complete the look <laughs> so I kept them but I'm not at all happy about them for everyone else they're a fashion choice and for me they're just another emblem of defeat <laughs> oh my god how are you oh hi I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine but actually to your point about Birkenstocks I spring the oncoming of spring the march of spring has unleashed in me my acquisitive creature so you want everything I want everything you've been quite good at winter at wanting nothing I've been I have been on a money diet I have sort of flattened whatever kind of gland it is in my brain that wants things neutralized it but it is budding like a kind in a kind of spring thing and I am worried have you given in no, not yet. Because I think you, at the moment, the, the, you don't want to give in because there's this constant feeling that something will bankrupt us. I mean, listen, it's it's no wonder that we're incredibly anxious given how we were told as children that if we ate an apple pip, a tree would grow in, inside us or I mean, that we would be forever 
dodging quicksand. <laughs> if we went swimming after lunch, we'd die. <laughs> or if we, or if we, don't you still feel that if you're lucky enough ever to, to find yourself in a hotel, that taking anything from the minibar will immediately bankrupt you and your entire family honestly even just moving something out of the way to put your sort of you know like an eye mask in to keep it will trigger that tiny sensor and poof this huge charge will appear to the room i mean we don't even dare look at the minibar because look even looking at the minibar runs the risk of complete financial ruin also they've done this new thing in in some hotels which i it's been a while since i've been in a hotel but whereby they put things not in a minibar but around that still they'll charge you for, but then are just around the room. So you think, oh, look how nice. And actually not so nice. Not so nice. I mean, so what else do we believe is going to make us bankrupt? I mean, I, have, I can answer this question because a big thing for me, which we have been talking about, is ever since I started buying laundry detergent, when I guess I was 18, <laughs> I have been horrified by how much it costs. It's sort of everyday use and then super, super luxury pricing. It's terrifying. You can't not buy it. I mean, you helpfully for me Googled, didn't you, how to make your own laundry detergent? Yeah, and it involves grating, grating soap. So we all know that's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared of grating <laughs> as well. Oh my God, I grate my knuckles all the time. I'm quite scared of grating. And when you grate your knuckles, it's not a graze, it's a gouge. Yeah, it is a gouge. And, it, and, and of course, it's, it's always because of the grating situation. It's always in a place that's super useful. Yes, like so you bend and you so feel you, it every time. Every time. And it takes ages to heal. There anyway, back to the, the detergent <laughs> disaster. So we're sort of locked in this, this laundry cycle of hell. I mean, the only junk mail I'm ever happy to get is when there's a little laundry detergent sachet I attached hoard those. to it. I hoard those. Yeah. I put them away and I think I put them away for, for a for a rainy slash laundry detergent starved day. Yes, yes. It, oh, okay. And so on the detergent, you, you know, discussion, dishwasher tablets. Why are they so expensive also? Why bother to make them so expensive when they're always half price? It's like, do you think it's an actual strategy where they buy, they go, we are going to make them £34 for... 18 tablets but we're only ever going to charge people nine pounds and tell them that that's not half price but you know what i mean it works because i have a <laughs> bulging cupboard full of them downstairs because i buy them at half price in case they're never at half price again but they're always at half price and does anyone ever buy them at full price do you think those people are like so cavalier with their finances they're i can't like, imagine being rich enough to buy full price dishwasher tablets that is basically that's the kind of rich i aspire to that's the, that's the goal right <laughs> yeah exactly also Car hire. Oh, God. Instant bankruptcy. Do you know, it's a really triggering word. Should I say it again? Car hire. I wish you'd stop. Okay, I'll stop now. Do you remember those broken sumps? You know, that What's bit, a sump? <laughs> that bit under the car. I don't even know the technical. That gets bashed around on bumpy island roads if you ever found yourself so lucky to be bumping <laughs> around on an island road. <laughs> or, or, and I speak from personal experience, the time where you scratch the car on a bush in Tuscany and the car hire literally, the car hire company literally drained our bank account. Yeah, so, so, so <laughs> the tyranny of, of car hire every time we might be lucky enough to go on holiday and, and the potential bankruptcy always gives us pause for thought. So what I do is I take out every conceivable insurance I can online, but... When I actually get to the airport, the, 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 you know, the probably European airport to pick up the car, they tell me that I'm not covered enough. <gasps> and they draw diagrams with crosses. If you scratch it here, it'll be 10,000 euros. <laughs> so I pay more. And suddenly this shitty little fucking car is more expensive than chartering a yacht. I mean, listen, given the current global crisis, we're not going to be hiring cars anytime soon. But actually, there may be some super yachts going cheap. 
boom, boom. It's so true. <laughs> Don't you always find as well, I'm always magnetized by the um, by the people in the car companies who've hi- who've hired like a really flash car. Like they turn up and they like with their children and they're like, here we are. Oh, here's your keys to your Mercedes. And you're like, are you insane? I know. I've How got my, rich are you? I know. I've got my Ford car and there are 12 of us. <laughs> exactly. There's not enough room for luggage and everyone's sitting on it. And no air conditioning. Like, yeah, exactly. Like wind down the windows and whatever. You just think these people cruising in their car and you think, you might as well have just bought a car for the price that this Again, goals. God, it's all about goals. I know. Well, you know, maybe, maybe these flashy people. They're the kind of people who own credit cards, right? Yes. Do you know, some people have got debt-friendly personalities and are like super happy playing credit card roulette and they switch their balances for 0% deals. Or I think the significant thing is 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 just able to to exist comfortably while owing money outside of a mortgage. Yeah, they're the sort of people who say things like, Money is so cheap right now. I never understand that. What but, does that mean? I don't know, but maybe like like us, you know, you, you know, you listeners are terrified that even being in the vicinity of a credit card will kind of flick some kind of fuck it switch inside you, and you're suddenly in the Bellagio in Vegas wearing head to toe Christian Dior with a <laughs> gambling or a coke habit and a full facelift. I mean, that's that's it. That's exactly and a poodle. Yeah, it, first thing I'd buy with a credit card, a poodle. <laughs> But that, I mean, it's true. I just don't think I can face face the credit card for the sheer panic of the, for the sh- knowledge, I suppose, that I'm so fully addict that that would be the end of it. Another part, another slower path to bankruptcy is via sneaker socks. <laughs> because before we even get to Vegas, <laughs> we never get to sneaker Vegas. socks are going to give us a financial nervous breakdown. And it's like a joke. It's like they're disposable. It's like you can only wear them once. I mean, <laughs> it could be that you put them on and immediately your horrifically deformed toenail tears into the fabric of them. They become immediately like a sort of spider web. <laughs> or it's the cheese grater heel that wears them out, even though they never actually stay on your heel. But if you ever manage to get them undamaged after one wear into the washing machine, they don't come out or, or one of a pair comes out. Yeah, only one only one reemerges. And you're like, what the fuck? One trainer sock is the only thing less useful than two trainer socks. Where do they go? I, I don't know. You know, we discussed this earlier and we were like, well, maybe we should be getting sock bags. And again, this is a really sexy chat, right, guys? Wow. But sock bags? Are we at sock bags yet? I can't worry about sock bags. I can't add sock bags to my arsenal. That, <laughs> that and grating soap to make laundry detergent. Is not yet. Not yet. We will tell you guys when we're there, but at the moment we're not there. Another slow burn to bankruptcy <laughs> are streaming services because we're hooked up to so many and they're, they are all incrementally putting up their prices because we're all sitting ducks just sitting on the sofa. It used to feel cheap, didn't it? Yeah, but if you add them up, I mean... Don't add them up. No, no, no. If you add them all up, and please just don't do it if you're feeling remotely fragile because it is actually terrifying how much we spend on entertainment and I'm doing I tell you what uh, I'm spending a lot of money on this is like a a terrible habit and I don't know how to break it is interdental sticks (laughs) and they're a sort of um I mean they're a sort of triple triple threat because they're addictive expensive and also landfill oh it's the horror triumvirate it it, it is it's bad karma but oh but they're so satisfying (laughs) I mean you can't go back to floss once you hit the interdental sticks 
I'm actually trying to get something out of my mouth right now, my teeth right now. Well, I'm not giving you an interdental stick, particularly (laughs) since you just printed 10 pages on my printer. (gasps) Oh my God, oh my God, there is the other Rubicon. If you will know, if you have a home printer, that you will do anything not to print anything Honestly, what is, it's like one of those things where you're just like, why do we have it just to look at? Because honestly, if anyone says, can you print this out? Or do you need this printed? Or Or do you mind if I print it? You want to kill them. Yes, because printer ink is more expensive than gold. Yeah. So you have a printer that doesn't print. And, and you panic every time anyone says, can you print this for me? Every time. The other thing that, again, I mean, that we think that we're making savings, but we're actually it's not. It's the false economies, mm-hmm. I completely agree. Is the bargain you think every time you buy a bag of Epsom salts. Absolutely, because you think, oh, well, this five kilogram sack of Epsom salts that I can't lift <laughs> will, you know, soothe me and ease me through just the next apocalyptic phase of my life. It'll last me until at least this time next year. Exactly. Cheaper than the posh bar stuff, yeah, yeah. right? And and till you realise that you have to put, unlike me with the with the posh bath stuff, who's so economical that I you could it barely like whispers to the bottom. I of think the that's bar. so joyless. If you're going to use it, use it. I know. Well, the, the hence the five hence the half a sack of five kilogram Epsom salts every time you want to have a bath, which is what you need to have an effect. Yeah, but then you realize they don't have any effect. So, so where does that leave you? In debt. That's where that leaves you. <laughs> In Epsom salts debt. The leaks. Oh, the leaks, the leaks, the leaks. This, the, 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 this, this will kill us financially. I mean, listen, we're incredibly grateful, never more so than now, to have a roof over our heads. But my God, the money that we spend on patching up leaks and fixing weird shit and covering up damp patches with jaunty pictures. And everything is fixed incredibly badly because we can't afford a proper builder and we weren't able to do any of the big stuff. So that when we say savoring for a rainy day, when it starts raining... I run down to the kitchen to put a saucepan under the most recently not patched leaky bit. That is exactly it. It's like, so I thought saving for a rainy day was like, hey, so that we can go to Disneyland or 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 somewhere fabulous, you know, like the Bahamas, whatever. It's not, it's actually, it's when it rains. Yeah, <laughs> it's for the, you're saving for the next patch. And then the rain finds a sort of new neural pathway <laughs> through your house and comes out somewhere else. My At God. least someone in the house is finding new neural pathways. Yeah, it's true. Neuroplasticity. Roof plasticity. Because it's just so hard. I know. I mean, this is the thing about money. It just feels like another hard thing. In fact, money can feel like one of the hardest things. It certainly does to me. Um, it's, it, 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 it's depressing because in, in one way, money is only money. But, you know, it's as though my spiritual well-being is dependent on knowing that financially everything will be manageable. I don't mean like posh clothes and like smart holidays. Just It's just the hope that to a certain extent our hard work will be somehow rewarded with some kind of stability. And then you realise the stability takes work. So you've got to make the grown-up decision to choose the hard, which hard thing you're going to deal with. There's a meme going around about this. I showed it to you earlier. So it says things like, communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your hard. Being unfit is hard. Exercising is hard. Choose your hard. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your hard. Being in debt or financially insecure is hard. Being financially engaged and disciplined is hard. Yeah. Choose your hard. And life will always be challenging. If we're challenging, <laughs> read fucking hard. <laughs> It'll never be easy, so choose your hard. And, and, and the thing about connecting with your finances is it's not a phase or, or, or a fad or a trend, is it, Em? It's, it's fundamentally facing the future. Yeah, it's like putting the panic to one side for long enough just to start. Because when it comes to money, something is so ob- something is so obviously better than nothing. 
Yeah, so Emily and I, I mean, I think it's been recording this financial mini-series, really, even though we're well, well into our 40s, are starting. But the problem isn't going anywhere. It's, it's getting closer. It's growing. And where possible, as grown-ups, we can't allow problems to grow. We have to get solution-orientated. We've been trying to do that emotionally for years, seeking clarification and resolution. And money feels so boring. It's just so annoying when things are both incredibly dull and hugely stressful. It feels sort of wrong, isn't it? Yeah, I think as well, it feels really unfun because mm. you know that the answer is spend less money on fun mm. things. Mm. It's true. And the other answer is just start. Yes. Just start. You know, starting small or late is better than giving up or not starting at all because apparently money doesn't have to be emotional. You know, this doesn't have to be nameless dread. We can put a name to it and then we can find ways to approach it. So I'm choosing my hard with this. I'm going to do something rather than just worrying or at least doing a bit and worrying a bit less. God, anything to worry just a bit less. And the worst thing about it actually is when you start worrying about the things that, you know, when you start thinking about this stuff and then you think, my God, all the things I should have done differently. Money regret. Like if you think about it, if you've been working for, we've been working for 20, 25 years, we've <laughs> earned... a depressing thought in the first place. Yes, not maybe much per year, but add it all up, it's... A lot of money. Where, I ask you, where has it all gone? No, for God's sake, as well, we used to have a disposable income. We used to. So you look back and you think, all, all this money I've earned, Yeah. what have I got to show for it? I mean, sure, there might be some big ticket things like a mortgage and an oat milk chai latte habit. <laughs> but... <laughs> Come on, people, what have we spent our money on? Okay, let's do a broad brushstrokes breakdown. Okay, I think we probably spent... And don't at us about the maths. 10% on mini breaks with depressing boyfriends that we thought might be the one. Up and down the country, staying in quirky B&Bs. Trips to not quite Paris, continental cities like Valencia or Lille. And we paid for this pain? I mean, in some ways, we're still paying. Yeah, it was like at the beginning, you did these mini breaks because you thought they might be the one. And then, you know, a year or two and you were doing the mini breaks... To try and make them the one. Uh, I know, exactly. Walking along a boulevard or whatever going, is this the perfect backdrop for, like, the realisation that we really, really love each other except we really, really don't? Yes. Let's just argue and maybe have sex or maybe not. Yes, I mean, at least another 10% on therapy. I mean, 5% of that 10% getting over those boyfriends. And telling, saying it's worth it, it's worth it, isn't it? And because before therapy, we're just held together by bread, tequila, bits of self-help that we've read in magazines control underwear and the occasional yoga class or Xanax if we could get our hands on it. I know, do you remember when we thought yoga was sort of like you were basically Buddhist if you did any kind of yoga? I never thought that because the moment <laughs> I walked into a class I became furious. <laughs> do you remember my first experience of yoga? Do you remember I went on a detox and it was um, it was a seven day fast, no food for seven days and they made us do yoga every night and every night they would, we'd lie there and say, they'd say, relax your anus. <laughs> I think relax your anus and I'd go off to my room and watch telly on my laptop I was watching Californication and they said don't watch telly it will disrupt your spiritual detox ha 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 did it go well I watched the telly another 15% of all the money we've ever earned on the desperate and yet futile hunt for the perfect capsule wardrobe. Honestly, this is like this is like looking for a fucking unicorn. Like, what what point are we going to turn around and go? 
it doesn't matter if this is the perfect white t-shirt. Yes. But until then, we have continuously gone, is this the perfect white t-shirt? Yes. Is this the perfect is white t-shirt? Is £90 too much for a white t-shirt? <laughs> yes. Will this leather skirt work with everything forever? <laughs> and I hate it and it doesn't suit me, but will it? Will it give me that edge? <laughs> will it give you that edge? That white shirt, you know, the one that gapes around the boobs? Is that the one? Yes. God, that coat's depressing. I have to have it. I really would like to be someone who looked good in a white shirt. But you I don't. do look good in a white shirt. I don't look good in a white shirt. What do you look like in a white shirt? I look very serious. I think I have quite a serious, like, face anyway. And so if I don't, if I don't sort of dress a little jauntily, I will just look depressing. So you have to wear bright colours and beam at all times. Exactly. Well, at least you don't look like a fridge in a white <laughs> shirt, because I do. <laughs> Another 5% of all the money we've ever earned has gone on shoes that don't quite fit I, I i we thought that maybe it didn't matter that we couldn't feel our show, toes yeah or that eventually the blisters would, would would heal and our feet would win i know do you remember that you just have to break them in for yes, fuck's sake I, I mean also i think there's a i mean like all of these things there's such a conspiracy about shoe sizes where you can actually just be a 39 or a 39.5 or a 40 or 45 you know ad infinitum you can never so you think oh well it must be they must be okay they must stretch They're or you think as we think with everything the problem is me oh yes the problem is not the shoes the problem is me i know if only i could take more pain if only i could it would be it would work out yeah more punishment is good for me oh my god it's so depressing how much of our money like a lot like about 645 percent of all the money we've ever earned <laughs> went on rolling appointments when we thought we had to have rolling appointments. Remember in the noughties when we thought that in order to be fully functioning human women, we had to have a Brazilian once a month at 50 quid a pop. What the fuck? £600 a year on bikini waxing. What was wrong with us? I am absolutely... Then there were the acupuncture phases because we thought that would keep us sane. Yes. Oh my God, and all the hair appointments. The highlights, the lowlights, then fringes and layers, the Rachel, then balayage, repairing shampoos, root concealers, blow dries. Bloody yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah. I hair went, up, hair down. Hair up, hair down. I even went had extensions. And, and, and that was a nightmare because it was just hundreds and hundreds and thousands and hundreds <laughs> of thousands of pounds. And at the end, I had no hair left. And also like hundreds and thousands of woman hours. Yeah, I know. All those hours we could have been earning more money to waste. Exactly. Or reading improving books. Ten, I mean, I'm not going to say that because that's, that's not true. 10.5% on um, phone bills. <laughs> Do you remember when phone bills were... You'd say to people, can you just call me back for no reason? Because you couldn't really talk on your uh, mobile. I know people who used to drop, like, literally ring once and then drop the call so that the other... It, so the burden would go on the other person. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. And you would never want to call abroad. Oh, my God. I mean, or take a call when you were abroad. Oh, that was, like, akin to... Now, whenever I hear a, a, an abroad tone when I'm calling someone, I don't hang up immediately out of consideration. I wait and I think, oh, I'm looking forward to speaking to that person. Most people I know who... Uh, who most people in their 40s will have had some disastrous roaming data holiday experience where they just got a bill for like 2,000 quid when they got oh, back. Oh my god the panic the and panic I once actually was on an airplane and I did a I did a wi-fi connect to the wi-fi and ended up with like a 700 pound wi-fi bill by accident. Yeah and there's nothing you can do. And there's nothing this. you can do because you did use it even though you didn't know but you didn't read the small print and you know 
everything is yeah and in the latter years we realized we spent 300 percent of our money on athleisure wear <laughs> <laughs> athleisure wear that's never been inside a gym or yeah. or a yoga studio in fact um, emily and i thought that it might be fun <laughs> for this podcast to look at the last sort of five or ten things we'd um we bought on amazon because obviously that's where almost all our money goes and absolutely the last thing i bought on amazon was a pair of navy tracksuit bottoms that are arriving tomorrow which are not going to near, go near any kind of track i'm not exactly a high roller no sweaty betty or lululemon for me it's 18.99 from amazon thanks very much and the thing before that on my um amazon delivery is is printer ink and it'll probably last me for about a month and it's 32.28 it is terrible i just suddenly realized how funny the word tracksuit is by the way that it is a suit to wear on a track yes it is but I mean, why would you why would you want to associate it with a suit? Anyway. Okay, so my well, it's last... one half of a whole. So anything I suppose that has a top and a bottom is a suit. This okay. Is not a fun conversation, <laughs> but let's carry on. So my uh my last Amazon thing is the Disney Plus. Yes. Monthly subscription. How much? Seven ninety-nine. So that is currently fueling my Grey's Anatomy addiction, because I can only watch Grey's Anatomy because are you starting to suspect that Grey's Anatomy is depressing you? I think it might be making me feel sad. Yeah. I think lying in bed watching people being operated on and doctors worrying about life might actually be a do sad thing. Do you know what thing. makes me feel really sad? It's partly to do with the awful, awful, awful turgid theme music is This Is Us. Everybody Amazon says Prime. it's so depressing. It, it is. You know, I, I don't even know if it's good or not. All I know is I keep watching it and I always feel worse at the end of an episode <laughs> than at the beginning. Okay, so we're now in we're now in sad watching as opposed to hate watching yes. or cry watching. Yes. We're in just all no, actually maybe depressed watching. This is cheerful. Next Speaking I Speaking of which, my, my before my um tracksuit was my printer ink, it was St John's Wart. <laughs> okay. I raise you St John's Wart. Okay, I five HTP gummies. <laughs> she lives in hope, people. She lives in hope that something is... Maybe I should just stop watching Grey's Anatomy and stop taking the medication. Um, and then all will be well. Um, and then um, a, uh, a triumph of hope over experience. I bought a bra on Amazon, <laughs> which, uh, which was cheap, doesn't fit, is uncomfortable, and I don't really understand Amazon's return policy. So that's money taken out into the street and burning it. Um, I will tell you, once we finish this podcast, I will tell you about Amazon's return policy. Okay, I've already taken strange. the label off, but okay. Okay, fine. Um, I might hate to wear it. <laughs> and every time it causes me pain or I bulge out the top, it'll be more emblematic of my failure. The next thing I got from Amazon were sellotape on-hand refills, which I think... You crazy bitch. I know. Really this is really? why we're broke. You're buying things like sellotape and... Laundry detergent. And, but the thing about this, why this on-hand tape dispenser refill is interesting because we don't really have an on-hand tape dispenser. Oh, so you've got the refill without the dispenser. You can't so, afford the dispenser. Also, we just clearly, I just clearly think, thought at whatever time in the morning I ordered it or late at night or whatever, whenever I did my Amazon order in a rush, I just clearly thought that I could wing it like everything else. So again, emblematic of my, like, inconsistency lack of gimlet eye on my uh on my purchases okay bongella adult ulcers gel you got ulcers because you're so stressed about money yeah sugar-free though guys sugar-free so there we go and really sexily neoprene booties i can't for my wild swimming i can't i can't with the wild swimming, you have to stop with the wild swimming. <laughs> also isn't half the point of the wild swimming that swimming is that it's meant to be free and the amount of neoprene that you are spending money on at the moment. I just, I have to, at this point, I have to go off and, and, and talk about something other than wild swimming. So I'm going to say, don't panic, guys. Just get started. Just get started. See you next week. Bye.
Stay tuned for a little chat about how pensions work. Hi everybody, we are extremely excited to have Pension Bees, Claire Riley on the podcast. Who is here to uh, do two things. First of all, discover how, I mean, appallingly stupid and ignorant we are around (laughs) pensions. And secondly, to help us and you understand them a little bit more. Yeah, so let's start. By going back to basics, Claire, I apologise for this question. How does a pension work? How does a pension work? So, I mean, back to basics, a pension is your income when you can no longer work. So... You put aside some of your income during your working life um, and then you, or more often your pension provider, invest that in the stock market or other types of investments to help it grow over time so that when you come to retire and you don't want to work anymore or you can't work anymore, you have a pot of money, that's your pension, that's going to help see you through until the end of your life. And it's that simple. And there's a difference, isn't there, between um, a state pension and a, and a private pension. Do you automatically get a state pension no matter what? So you don't automatically get the state pension no matter what, right? Okay, so, so I definitely didn't know. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. buttocks clench immediately. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. So in order to get the full state pension, which is £179.60 a week currently, you need to have 35 years of national insurance contributions. Okay, so something you could all do right now is you could type in check my state pension and you'll go to a gov.uk site. And on that site, you will be able to see how much state pension you're on track to get, when you can get it and how to increase it. Right. So if you log in, it's going to tell you how many years of national insurance contributions you already have. Now, you might get a nice surprise. I logged in and found out that there were four years when I was at college university where I got national insurance contributions for jobs I'd had in the, at that time. So that was a nice surprise. So I thought, oh, I've already got 18 years. That's great. I mean, obviously, I need another 17. But if I'm working till 2050, then, you know, I've got enough time. But log in and check because it's going to be too late once you reach retirement to realise that you needed 35 years of these national insurance contributions. So we can all go and do that now. And also, if you've been out the workforce, you've been traveling abroad, you've been, you know, having babies, whatever, you can you can make contributions now to make up for them for a certain number of years as well. So there are things you can do to fix it, but it will be too late when you reach retirement to realize that you need those contributions. Okay, my goodness, that is a good start, isn't it? What about private pensions? So this is the additional investment that you can make, right? So this is the additional, because obviously, you know, I don't know about you, but £780.64 a month, or 94 a month, sorry, is not going to be enough, right? When we think about rising energy costs, cost of living, food, you know, if you want to do things like wash your hair, right, it's not going to be enough. So <laughs> what you need what you need, is you need to work out what, how you're going to make up the difference between this £179 a week and what you need to live. So say you want a luxurious £500 a week, you need to have a pot of money that's going to cover the £321. And that's where your private pension comes in. And your private pension is going to help you get the amount of money you need in retirement and have the lifestyle you want, right? Now, you know, most people are going to have some plans for their retirement. They may involve travel, grandchildren, I don't know, hobbies, you know, and you're going to have to work out how much you would roughly like to have in your retirement. And so what you do is, the first thing you need to do is you need to work out what your current private pension balance is. 
So you can do that by, um, you know, if you're a PensionBee customer, you can just log into PensionBee, but it may be that you have pots scattered around all over the place. So it might involve logging in. It might, what, what did you call it? The drawer of dread? Yes. It might involve going in the drawer of dread and pulling out the bits of paperwork and logging into all of these different portals and working out what is my total balance. Because living in denial is not helping because, you know, you could just think, oh, well, maybe there's loads of money in that drawer of dread. But if you actually log in, you'll realise there might not be very much money in the drawer of dread. And so you get your total balance. So then you're like, right, I've got my balance. And then you can go online. There are calculators on Pension B website. Or there are lots of different calculators that you can use. And you put in your, your current age, the age you want to retire, the amount of money you've already got saved, and then the amount of income you want in retirement. And you can play around with the sliders and you can very quickly have a moment where you think, gosh, I really need to make some changes and start putting away money now monthly in order to actually have the income that I want in retirement. I have to tell you that as you were talking about hobbies, I was thinking, I wonder what are cheap hobbies I can do in my old age, which is which just shows the level of denial that I'm in. I'm not thinking, I wonder how I could start create a solution for myself now. I'm so thinking, I can go on many cruises and or, continue to do expensive Pilates. Exactly. And You're thinking oat milk mm. chai lattes that cost a fortune. Instead I'm thinking, I wonder what is the cheapest hobby that I'm I I'm thinking the free bus pass maybe if you live in London you could ride around on the buses. I mean that's why yeah. after nine thirty though. <laughs> why do you think we're in such denial about this stuff? I think because it just seems really abstract and far away. And I think a lot of people just convince themselves it's all going to be fine in the end and that the government are going to, I don't know, miraculously triple or quadruple the state pension when we get there. But that, the reality of that is it's not happening. When um, you say balance, do you mean the money that we put in or the money that we're due to get out? So, with, so most people will have to find contribution pots. I'm, I'm going to try and not get too technical here, but that's a pot of money. And so... You're on your own, really, with that pot of money. It's not an income. It's, it's literally a pot of money. So if it's six grand, that's not six grand a month or six grand a year. That's six grand full stop for, to last you 30 years. There are a different type of pension, those defined benefit pensions. Now, you'll know if you've got one of those. Mostly now they're people that work in, um, for the police or for the NHS or they're teachers. These are um, government-defined benefit schemes that they're rare now in the private sector. But they do give you an income for life. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, those are very valuable and very precious because they will give you something that, you know, a defined contribution pension won't. Most people have this pot of money and it's up to you to make that last. Um, so you want it to be as big as possible, basically. Could you ever get it out? If you suddenly had an emergency, could you say, OK, forget the pension, I need that pot? At 55, you can. You can't take it out before. And that's because the government gives you tax relief on it. So right. the government basically gives you free money. It gives you free money. So for every £100 you put in your pension, the government gives you £25 of free money um, on top. And the, the contract is that, therefore, then you can't touch it until you reach 55, basically. Right. It's a tax-efficient wrap But it is really worth doing because of that £25, well, right? It, it begins to add up. I think that's the thing, isn't it? That if you, you, you just have to start. Do you think it's ever too late to start putting money into your pension? It is never too late to start good financial habits. <laughs> mm. And I think, look, starting small or starting late is better than not starting at all, isn't mm. it? So, so, you know, we should all be thinking about our future. So if you, if you today check your state pension and you today check how much you've got in your private pension and you use one of these calculators and you work out what you need to be doing, 
you know, facing that harsh reality, the sooner, <laughs> the better, really. Because, you know, for every, as you said, every year you put it off, think about it this way, you're just going to be working for more years in the future, which you don't want to do. So, so do it today, basically. And we spend a lot of time talking about the, the pay gap between men and women, but there's a really kind of profound uh, pension gap, isn't there? Can you tell us a bit about the gender pension gap and, and why it happens? Yes. So, unfortunately, the gender, the gender pensions gap is the fact that men's pensions are, on average, 38% bigger than women's. And ultimately, that is driven by the gender pay gap. But it's also, you know, it's the fact that women tend to work fewer paid hours than men and are paid less for those hours. So, as women earn less, they tend to have less to save. And then, unfortunately, um, over time, that gender pay gap compounds. So, you know, the effect of men working more hours and getting paid more for those hours over their lifetime, whilst women are taking time out of the labour force for unpaid care responsibilities or part-time work, we find that when um, when people reach their 50s or 60s, men can have more than 100k more than women um, in their pension pot at that point. Um, so yeah, so we've been, we've been, Pension have been running customer data on this for, for many years, you know, because we, we, we want to push back on this narrative that women need to be doing more or women need to be investing more or taking more risk in investing or leaning in or working for longer. Um, and we don't agree with that. We think women are doing enough already and that's the issue. They're just not getting paid for it. Um, so, so we're really pushing back and, and we do a lot of work to, to try and call this out and raise and, and to raise awareness of this issue in, in, in national media because, you know, as a society, we all need to come together to fix it. Do you think that women are particularly paralysed when it comes to money talk and with engaging? Because I know that I am. I don't know if I'm typical. I, I mean, I think there are a few different things. I think the language of the investment industry is too geared towards men and I think women find that very inaccessible. I think there's a myth toted by the investment industry that women are not taking on enough risk, you know, blaming women for not investing enough. But I think actually, you know, risk is a privilege, right? And, you know, we, <laughs> you know, you know the, this tendency to blame women's risk appetite for their reluctance to engage investments is actually, you know, to do with the fact that it's a privilege. A privilege is created by financial and social capital that women do not have access to. Um, and you, women can't take on as much risk as men because they earn less. And that's often related to unpaid care responsibilities. Mm. So I do think there is a whole, you know, we need to look more closely at the way that the investment industry markets and creates products and whether they really appeal to women. How, because I find it all baffling and, and, and terrifying, and I've sort of just recently started almost with my eyes shut trying to engage with it. But how does Pension B make it more streamlined, make it more accessible, make it simpler and easier for us to just say, OK, I'm going to start now? I think it's really about the language that's being used at Pension B. Like, we don't talk about pensions in an abstract way that's full of jargon. We've tried to completely demystify pensions and talk about them in a way that's accessible to everybody. We use plain language. We have a huge range of um, informative personal finance content on our website for, for everybody to be able to access information in an easy way. We have a whole range of online videos on YouTube called Pensions 101, you know, bite-sized two to three minute videos explaining all the different concepts and pensions and other financial concepts as well so that people can actually just slowly kind of build up their understanding and their confidence around investing and saving um, in a way that's right for them. Mm. Um, because Emily, with her four pensions worth a total of £40 a year, you're <laughs> heading straight for Pension B, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I'm so excited. I love the idea that it's going to be all there, sort of visible for me, and, and also tell me slightly what to do. And I don't mean as in where to invest my money or whatever, but just 
that I will be able to extrapolate from that information about where, where I need to put Just to my give money. yourself options, isn't yes, it nice exactly. to have options? And recording this financial mini-series has really made Emily and I set up and start to take notice. Well, something that came out in our research is, is really that women don't feel there are enough safe spaces to discuss financial products. And, you know, they don't want to be outed for not, have, for not having that kind of financial knowledge and they feel really disempowered to ask questions. So what you're doing is is a step towards changing that and giving women a safe space to discuss all of these things and feel empowered to, to take the steps they need to make the change in their life. Well, off we go to check our state pensions, because I didn't even know you could. So that's going to be a fun morning. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Um, And Claire, thank you so much. And it's pensionb.com. Yeah, absolutely. Check it out. Okay. Lovely to meet you. Bye. You've been listening to Annabelle Rivkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middle. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was bravely brought to you by Pension B. Pension planning without the pain. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.